One of the things that I mentioned last week as we're in the series on called Move, looking at encounters with Jesus. Uh, I, I mentioned last week the importance of making God's Word a part of your life on a daily basis. Jesus said, if you're going to be my disciple, you need to pick up your cross daily and follow me. And part of that daily walk is being shaped by God's revelation. I want to encourage you to spend time every day. Also, I want to encourage you to bring your Bible to church. And when I say Bible, I'm talking about this version. Uh, All of us have this version right here, right? And, And this comes in handy a lot. But, Tommy, I don't know how many times I've had it open up to a text, make a couple comments, look back, and it's shut down. You know, and I'm like, okay, can I find it back? But let me encourage you, bring your Bible, take notes in it, uh, underline, highlight, make it a part of your daily and your Sunday time uh, with, with God. It's very, very important that we do that. All right, we're in our series called Move, and we're looking at these encounters with Jesus. And today we come to a fascinating encounter. Here's found in Matthew chapter 8. It's Matthew's first miracle. It's fascinating to me that when you go to Mark's gospel, Mark chapter 1, the first miracle that Mark tells, coming from Peter, is the casting out of a demon in the synagogue there at Capernaum. Matthew will take Mark's gospel, expand it, but for some reason, he's going to switch the first miracles. Now, why the Holy Spirit did that, what was unique about the audience that Matthew was writing to that caused him to do that, we don't know. But he takes this story and makes it the first. And I think there's a reason for that. Notice the language here. When Jesus came down from the mountainside, chapters 5, 6, and 7 is the Sermon on the Mount. And so he comes down from the mountainside, and notice large crowds followed him, and a man with leprosy came up and knelt before him. Now, sometimes it's hard for us to appreciate that. Uh, I remember it was about 1992. And I was asked to visit a fairly young man. He was younger than I was at the time, and I was in my 30s. But I was asked to go and visit him at Summit Medical Center. And, and as they were asking me to go visit him, they, they said something to me. They said, you need to be aware of the fact that he has AIDS. If you remember back 30 years ago, HIV was about as much in the news as COVID-19 is today. I mean, HIV had developed in the 80s, but it really burst on the scene in the early 90s. And we knew so little about it. We just knew it was a disease for which there was no cure. And hundreds and even thousands of people around the world were starting to die from it. And here I was, asked to go and visit someone in the hospital. And so I went into this individual's room, and I'm sitting there talking to them, And it's time for me to leave, and I am caught with the most difficult decision in visiting someone that I'd ever had. And that decision was real simple. You see, every time I leave someone in the hospital, I try to say a prayer, and I try to hold their hands as I say the prayer. And now I'm standing there in that room at Summit Medical Center, and the question is, will I reach out and take this man's hand? You see, we didn't know how it was spread. There was a lot of unknowns at that time. And I finally decided, you know what, I'm I'm going to reach out and take his hand. And I did. And, And after I finished prayer, tears were coming down his face. 
Because I wondered afterwards how many people had touched him in a long time. And yet at the same time, I know what some of you are thinking. Did you wash your hands after you left? Yes, I did. You see, it was one of those things that I struggled with. I wanted to be the presence of God, but I also wanted to be careful. Boy, does that make sense in the last year of COVID-19? I mean, as we've gone through the same thing, and you know, this, this concept of leprosy, biblical leprosy, a lot of times people think, well, leprosy is the same thing as Hansen's disease. Uh, uh, something that was identified back in the 1800s called by bacteria, where it literally eats the flesh away from people. And so a lot of times, if you look at newer translations, they will translate it quite differently because we're not sure in the first century that Hansen's disease is what this man had. It could have been... But there were a lot of other skin diseases that were going around at the time. This comes from Leviticus chapter 13. And notice the language of the Torah. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron, this is God speaking, when anyone has a swelling or a rash or a shiny spot on their skin that may be a defiling skin disease, they must be brought to Aaron the priest or to one of his sons who is a priest. Now, how many of you had a rash before? Right? I mean, how many of us would fall somewhere in this category? You know, people oftentimes ask me, are you allergic to any type of antibiotics? Yes, I'm allergic to penicillin. What, what, what happens when you take penicillin? I develop a rash. Something I would have to go back and see the priest under the Old Testament law. And of course, it's the, if the priest, after examining you, and it was quite an extensive examination, you can go back to Leviticus and read about it, but if he was was to declare you unclean, you know, having one of these defiling skin diseases, you had to do four things. Number one, you had to wear torn clothes. Now, today, people pay to wear torn clothes, right? I mean, we pay good money to make sure our blue jeans are already torn. Beating the thing I've ever seen. Recently, I messed up a beautiful pair of blue jeans with paint. June said, you're going to throw them away? I said, no, now I'm stylish. Okay? I mean, this is the way you're supposed to look. Number two, you had to leave your hair unkempt. June got up this morning, walked in the bathroom, looked in the mirror and said, Oh, no, look at my hair. And I wanted to say, Leper, leper, you know. But you had to leave your your hair unkempt. Number three, you had to cover the lower part of your face. Who in their right mind would do that, right? I mean, none of us have done that for the last year. You had to do it if you were a leper. And then number four, you had to cry out, unclean, unclean. Now, if you were just to stop right here, that would be bad enough. But the text tells us the worst part of it. Notice the next thing. As long as they have the disease, they remain unclean. They must live alone. Outside the camp, outside the village, outside the city. Remind you of this past year? I've got my, two of my grandkids with me this morning. They're back in kids' church, I think. Yeah, they're back in kids' church. And let me tell you, it's great to see them. There was a stretch where we went where my youngest grandson hadn't seen me or, or June in a quarter of his life. He's two years old. We had not seen him in about six months. Being alone can be tough. 
Not seeing loved ones can be quite horrible. We all know that. As we have witnessed so many people in in our culture who have died alone because of COVID-19, so much like what was going on in the first century that Jesus encounters with this man who had leprosy. You see, Israelites with a contagious skin disease face family, community, and religious isolation. I mean, they couldn't live at home anymore. They couldn't live in the village anymore. They couldn't go to the synagogue or the temple or any of the gatherings of the religious faithful. All of that was off the table. I mean, this totally and completely isolated them from everyone except God. Now, one of the things that's fascinating in the first century is that everybody knew the Torah. They knew the Old Testament prophets. They knew how that leprosy sometimes was a punishment for sin. You go back to Numbers 12, and you have a fascinating story of where Miriam and Aaron decides, why does Moses get all the you know, accolades for leading the people of Israel? We're prophets. God chose us as well. And so they confronted Moses about that. And notice what the text says, the anger of the Lord burned against them. God basically looked at what they were doing saying, really? You're going you're to get upset because I chose your brother to be the one who is the leader of Israel. And notice the text here. When the cloud lifted from the tent, representing the presence of God, Miriam's skin was leprous. It became as white as snow. You can imagine Aaron as he's sitting there and he's looking at his sister and all at once he realizes what has happened and he turns to Moses and says, Please, my Lord. I've got a younger brother and a younger sister. And let me tell you, they've never called me Lord. Never. You know. I mean, I I suspect Jack Luke's never called you Lord, right? I mean, he may have called you a lot of things, but Lord's not one of them. But you see the fear that's in Aaron's eyes and heart as he turns to Moses and says, Please, we've acted like fools. That's right. You shouldn't have done it. I love this story in 2 Chronicles. Uzziah was a good king. But like so many other good people, he got to a point in his life where he made a terrible mistake. I mean, he was unfaithful to the Lord because he wanted to go into the temple. He wanted to burn incense. He had kept seeing the Levites and the priests go in and out and in and out. And even though he's from the tribe of Judah, he thought, I should be able, as king, to go in the temple. And so he took a censer and began to head toward the temple. And the priests are all there saying, you can't do this. You've got to stop. And look at the last phrase there. He became angry. And Uzziah began literally to rage. I mean, if you've ever seen someone just lose it, he lost it, and he's yelling at the high priest. He's yelling at the rest of the priest, and he's going up to offer this incense to God. Notice, when Azariah, the chief priest, and all the other priests looked at him, they saw that he had leprosy on his forehead. And what happens next is amazing. So they hurried him out. Indeed, he himself was eager to leave. I mean, have you ever wanted to do something and then get in the middle of it and decide, oh, I've messed up? I mean, he headed out, and the text says that King Uzziah had leprosy until the day he died. And even though he was king, he had to, leave in, he had to live in isolation. You see, while all sickness is the result of the fall, not all sickness is the result of specific sin. 
There's a principle you take away from this lesson today. This is an important one. Does some sickness come as a result of sin? Yes. It's still true today. There are still sicknesses that you catch. Why? Because you've sinned. You've done something you shouldn't have done, and you now pay the consequences. But not all sin, uh, excuse me, all sicknesses are the result of, of sin. And so sometimes we as Christians get caught, you know, is this because I've sinned or is this because of just the fact that I live in a fallen world? And we have to use wisdom in trying to decide that. But you know, sometimes we need to repent of our sins so that sicknesses that might come upon us won't come upon us. Now, I love Luke's insight into this story. You need to remember, Luke is a physician. And one of the things you find in Luke's gospel is Luke always giving you a physician's perspective. Notice Luke. While Jesus was in one of the towns, a man came along who was covered, covered in leprosy. I mean, didn't have just splotches here and there. He was covered in leprosy. You go down just a few verses, or go back just a few verses in Luke chapter 4. And when, for instance, Jesus goes to Peter's house and his mother-in-law has a fever... Mark and Matthew says she has a fever. Look at what Luke says. She had a high fever. Again, being a doctor, he's thinking in in medical terms. And so it's just fascinating, the difference. But here's a man that Luke says he's covered in leprosy. And he comes up to Jesus and says, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. I think oftentimes we read through this way too fast. Because if you just pause for a moment, if you're willing, I love the fact that the leper didn't say to him, if you can. Now, that's going to occur later on in Matthew's gospel. For instance, if you go over to, uh, excuse me, Mark 9, also found in Matthew chapter 17. But in Mark's gospel, when Jesus comes down from the Mount of Transfiguration, there's a man with a demon-possessed child. He brings the child to Jesus' apostles. They can't cast the demon out. And so he goes up to Jesus and says, it is often thrown him into the fire or water to kill him, but if you can do anything. And Jesus is kind of bothered by that. Notice, if you can. And then he says to him, everything is possible for the one who believes. You see, all of these miracle stories are stories about They're about discipleship. They're about Jesus calling people. Now, some would follow him. Some would just simply be healed and go home. But one of the things that you see all the way through is that faith is an important part, component of it. There are times that Jesus would say, then, according to your faith, let it be done unto you. And so faith becomes such an important characteristic in following Jesus Christ. You go to Matthew chapter 8, later on in the chapter, and and it's fascinating that he goes again to Capernaum. Everybody comes to him, and he drives out the demons, and he heals all the sick. One thing I love about Jesus, and by the way, if you come to the Chosen series, you'll see one whole episode committed to that, Stan. Beautiful, beautiful episode about Jesus, you know, not leaving until everybody was healed. But here, Jesus heals everyone. Why? Because discipleship always casts a wide net. I mean, Jesus surely knew the hearts of everyone who came to him, and yet he was willing to do good to all of them. It reminds us 
that Jesus would tell a parable about a farmer who went out to sow his seed. And you remember in the story, he's throwing seed. Some of the seed goes on the pathway. Some goes into the rocky soil. Some goes over here where the thorns are. And then some goes into the good soil. But the point Jesus is making is scatter the seed. And boy, when it comes to discipleship, scattering it far and wide is so important. Now, God's the one decides who's got open hearts. Our job is simply to sow the seed. And then notice what he says next. Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. What an incredible phrase there. So much tied up in what it means to be clean for a leper. I mean, Lord, you can return me to my family. You can return me to the synagogue, to church. You know, a while ago, Tommy mentioned how that some people haven't come back yet. I mean, this virus has affected the church. And, and in so many ways, we want to say, you know what? I want, I want to be clean. I want to come back. Well, this allowed him to go back. He could go back to the temple again. I mean, he could go back to his community again. Jesus came to reverse the curse. Family estrangement, community rejection, spiritual uncleanness. He came to reverse all of it. And, of course, the ultimate part of it is sin. And as we have celebrated the supper, we have been reminded that he then went to the cross to take care of that one as well. And so Jesus did something that I struggled to do. I wish I could have been more like Jesus. He reached out his hand and he touched the man. Now, according to the law, if you touch someone who had leprosy, you became unclean. Jesus reversed the curse. Instead of him being unclean, he made the leper clean. And that ability to touch, so much power in human touch. And Jesus had the courage to touch and to be touched. I mean, we all understand that after the year we've been through. I'm a touchy-feely person. I love handshakes. I love hugs. I even love holy kisses from some people, okay? But, but I mean, we, we are people who have to be touched. We have to touch and be touched. I mean, when my grandsons run up to me, you know, pops, 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 what do I do? No, don't touch me. Your fingers are dirty, you know? I mean, don't, don't touch me. You've got, got Kool-Aid all over your mouth. You know, don't touch me. You've got ice cream. No. You know, I, I can't wait to get them up in my arms and to hug them and to kiss them. And last night, we're sitting at the house, and, and Garrett, who's our youngest grandson, he sits there, and he brings a blanket in and tells June, which goes by Gigi, says, Gigi, I want to snuggle with you. And you know what June said? No, I don't like to snuggle. Y'all think she did that? No, of course she didn't. You know, there's something about touch. Luke 7 tells the story of a woman who was a sinner who came in, and, and it's fascinating. Simon the Pharisee looks at Jesus as she's weeping, wiping his feet with her hair, applying a perfume on his feet. If this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him. Jesus knew who was touching him. It's time we touched the world for Jesus Christ. Mother Teresa passed away several years ago, sometimes called Teresa of India. And, uh, but, but she reached out and touched people. 
And what you see up here is 170 million. 170 million people who live in India today who are called untouchables. And if there was anything she taught the world is that discipleship is all about touching the untouchables. People that we look at and we're like, ooh, I don't know if I want to interact with that person. And Jesus says, I want you to interact with that person. I want you to interact with everyone. No one is off limits because of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so Jesus said, I'm willing to be clean. And immediately he was cleansed from his leprosy. And so let me ask you a simple question. During this past year, as we've gone through COVID-19, if you had had a cure, if you had possessed a cure for COVID-19, would you have shared it with those in need? If I were to ask you to take out a card and right now answer either yes or no on that card, what would you write down? I mean, would you say absolutely? Of course, if I had a cure, I, I would sit there and share it with the world. Someone would have to be crazy not to do that. Can we make a parallel? Can, can we look at something that's even more important than a cure for COVID-19? This is Jesus speaking to his disciples after the resurrection. I want you to listen to what he says. Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. And don't think this is just Peter and Andrew and James and John he's talking about. I'm sending you, me, and you. And then look at what he says. And with that, he breathed on them. John is all about recreation of Genesis. Begins with in the beginning. And one of the things you have in Genesis chapter Two is you have the creation of man and God breathing into Adam's nostrils the breath of life. And Jesus does the same here, except the life that comes into us is the breath of God. It's his Holy Spirit. And so he breathed on them. Receive the Holy Spirit. They didn't receive it at that moment. But he's saying you will receive it. And when he comes, accept it into your life. It gives you new life. And then look at what he says. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. And if you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Powerful words. And you may be thinking, what, that, what does that mean? And what it means is this. Every one of us has the power to forgive sins. It's called the gospel of Jesus Christ. And if you're a child of God, you've obeyed it, you've received the Spirit, and you know the message. And that message has the power to either forgive or if you don't share it, to not forgive. And that's all that he's saying here. I've given you the cure. The cure to all the world's problems. His name is Jesus. And the question is, will we take that gift that God has given to us? It's a gift, I love the way Paul, this is from the Passion Translation. He has entrusted to us the ministry of opening the door of reconciliation to God. He's given that to us. We are ambassadors of the Anointed One who carry the message of Christ to the world as though God were tenderly pleading with them directly through our lips. That's such a powerful message. He says, 
So we tenderly plead with you on Christ's behalf. Turn back to God. Be reconciled to Him. That's what God grants to every one of us. A power that is so great, it's greater than any other power in the universe. And the question is, as Paul said in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20, never doubt God's mighty power to work in you and accomplish all of this. He's going to achieve infinitely more than your greatest request, your most unbelievable dream, and exceed your wildest imaginations. He'll outdo them all, for His miraculous power constantly energizes you. Brothers and sisters, until we believe that, the world will continue down the path it's going now. It's time we believe that God works in us and through us to draw people back to Himself in the name of Jesus Christ. And so, guess what happens? Jesus says to this man, see that you don't tell anyone. Now, there's debate as to what is meant by this, but I love He says, go show yourself to the priest, get back into your community, your family, get back into the synagogue. And what does he do? He went out and began to talk freely, spreading the news everywhere. Now, if you believe that the forgiveness of your sins is more powerful than the forgiveness of leprosy, it's time for us to spread the news everywhere. And if you're not a child of God, then maybe it's time for you simply to accept the gospel of Jesus Christ. Put your faith in him. I I don't know what this man did after Jesus healed him. I've got to believe that he became a follower of Jesus. And maybe it's time for you to become a follower of Jesus through faith and baptism. If that's the case, then why don't you come right now as together we stand and sing.